This episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSense. Stream is an expert interview transcript library with more than 10,000 interviews spanning across all industries, including tech, media, consumer goods, and plenty more. Not to mention 70% of these experts can be found only exclusively on Stream. Thanks to many of the interviews that I've read on Stream, I feel like I've gained a much more intimate understanding of the companies that I cover. And at this point, it has become an integral piece of my research process. So if you want to check out some of their transcripts, transcripts for yourself, you can go to streamrg.co slash CCM and sign up for a free 14-day trial using the promo code CCM. Again, that's streamrg.co slash CCM, S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G dot C-O slash CCM. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. This is the Chit Chat Money Investing Power Hour, where we discuss anything on our minds, all things financial markets. Oh, got a bit of a little tech technical hiccup, but uh, yeah, no. So no rules here. Uh, basically, well, sorry, one rule. Don't bring anything to the table. So don't come prepared at all. Uh, basically, just have anything you've found from the financial markets for the week uh, worth talking about. and. It's earnings season, so I imagine that's been occupying most of your time, Brett. Am I getting that right? Yep. We had some companies reporting this week, a lot of other interesting ones. This is the big one. I guess we've had some big tech report already, but we're going to be before the Apple and Amazon. So if we say anything about those reports and you're listening to it on the podcast, uh, we could be completely wrong, probably will be. But yeah, this goes live at around noon. Pacific time every Thursday. And if you're listening on the podcast, you'll always be able to listen to it every Sunday uh, morning. So yeah, let's get right into it. What do we got? Well, it's been primarily just uh, reading through earnings. <laughs> we have a comment already that says Elon sucks. All right. Uh, I appreciate, we appreciate the comment. That's uh... Well, there you go. That's I think that's the audience we attract, right? So <laughs> not too surprising. <laughs> yeah. Not really any big developments on the Twitter news. Um, no, small stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I've been something I was thinking about this week. So many people like bring out the microscope for earnings and try to analyze every little detail. Mm. And like, all right, we've been, you know, kind of building our own tracking metrics for every quarter just to like keep up in Excel sheets. Owning stocks shouldn't be that hard. Like it should be, it should be easy. Like you, I feel like people complicate it every single quarter and think it's like the end of the world. Like the businesses should, if they're really high quality businesses, be around for a long time. You don't have to psycho or microanalyze every single quarter. Yeah. The easy part isn't, or sorry, the hard part isn't understanding the numbers and you can make it harder than. It needs to be a lot of the times. The hard part is a lot of the other stuff, psychological, um, you know, understanding management, trusting the right management teams, 
not. Yeah, I guess a lot. The hardest part, really, I think, is psychological. If you have the base of not, you know, being an over trader, not being. Um, well, I don't know. What's an example you think of overcomplicating the numbers? Is it just looking at some like tiny thing at an earnings report and trying to hype it up, stuff like that, or like, okay, this is super important, or like, do you feel like? You know, most companies you boil down to three to five things, and a lot of people are trying to look like twenty things at the same time. Too much chaos. Um, yeah, when you're Google, trying to, yeah. well, it's just like Google was kind of the one that came to mind because I was listening to that conference call, and pretty much every single, like, well, not every single question, but a lot of the questions are like, you know, like marketing spend, like a lot of people are uh, pulling back on marketing spend. Are you seeing that? It's like, obviously they're going to see that. Like they're trying to pull any piece of data or anecdotes to like extrapolate it too far. Like you don't need to, I feel like, I know that's their jobs and they have to like, like basically try to ask for certain inputs into their model from management, but it doesn't like, it's not going to impact in 10 years, it probably won't matter whether or not you got that little one input right. Yeah, it is strange that the incentives seem to be for just getting that quarterly or annual model right, when in reality, most people don't care about that stuff. Some people do, but it's strange how that... And I guess that's maybe the people that are asking the questions on the conference call, so you kind of just get you know, those specific people, if you get what I mean. Yeah. But... Yeah, it is frustrating because on calls where a company is fairly mature and you have maybe a larger cap or mega cap tech like Alphabet and you have the top you know, analysts on there, you're not getting the rookies over there. They really hone in on, okay, I need to perfect my model. I need to ask this one question. And I find the conference calls to be a lot of the times um, not very helpful in understanding what the you know, where the business is at the moment, because I could care less whether operating margin is 30, what, I don't know, 37% or 38% in the upcoming quarter. Um, but some, you know, some conference calls and maybe it's the way management teams treat the analysts or have a relationship with them. Or it could also be the fact that there's a lot of smaller caps that, you know, it's a lot more open, um, to, to all sorts of investors. Uh, you can get a lot more a lot better questions, I think, for smaller caps, not just smaller caps, just non hugely followed large cap tech, and, you know, you know, those type of businesses. Yeah. We, we do have a question in the chat and I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but adding to Brett's point, uh, something that's really been frustrating me with the conference calls, and I swear it's happening more often now, is people like analysts, it's a lot of like, look how, look how smart I am questions. Oh, right. Yeah. They, they go on a spiel about the business and then ask a question that's completely irrelevant. I love when you get a question where it's like actually useful and like people, like there's no bullshit. They're not trying to like impress people with how much they know about the business. They literally are just trying to get like some glimpse of what cash flow is going to look like. And there's still some questions like that, but you really got to like dig through all the crappy analyst questions. Yeah. And I mean, it's to be fair, it's not crappy for their incentive. It's just not great for someone that's focusing on a three to five year time horizon or longer, uh, which is what we're trying to do. 
or the other okay so like some of the you can tell that some of the conference calls analysts are supposed to ask questions like certain analysts they might not have a question like a real question of any value so they have to come up with one that frustrates me too like if you don't have a question just like listen to the conference call don't ask exactly there especially with a larger company there will be plenty of people in, in the queue i guess and and, the, and i love how the big tech companies get like the top analysts at the firm and then like other companies that report the same day are like all right our next question is from blah 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 from barclays like actually this is blank bark uh blah blah, blah had a different company not, he had to report to like oh yeah. you're not good enough so this is mike filling in for it. todd no it's more like this is chad filling in for chet but yeah no <laughs> all right we got a question that says uh is shorting uh, I, it's from josh router kiss i think i'm saying that right uh question for you is shorting crypto just as risky as being long crypto love these shows thanks guys Pro- can you short crypto is that possible i think you can uh if you're not like directly someone has to make a market for you uh i could be wrong but yeah it's definitely the same amount of risk right wouldn't you agree it's because you don't know for, from my point of view i have no idea whether Oh, what any crypto will be worth one dollar or one million dollars in ten years. So I kind of think it's it's risky both ways. Yeah. Without any real way of like assessing the value of something, I think it's risk either way. I think you exactly. pretty much like if you're doing that, you pretty much have to try to pay attention to flows, like money flows in, you probably have to be some sort of like a technical trader to short something or go long, or you yeah. have to know that it's like a blatant fraud, but even then you might lose money because frauds can go on for a long time. Something else that I thought about, I remember in, in sort of pertaining to these crypto, the crypto question, you, a long time ago, I heard Josh Wolf say the quote, like a, the SEC is always late. It's always the autopsy, never the diagnosis kind of thing, because they don't want to be that ru- one that ruins the parade, the one that causes the bear market. Aren't and that's we seeing fair. that play out right now? Yeah. And it's fair by them because if if they, I've thought about this, I'm like, why isn't the SEC more proactive? It's probably because if they are more proactive, they can be seen as the cause of something collapsing and not uncovering a fraud. You know what I mean? And that could get really hairy, but we're definitely seeing that right now. Um, I just maybe, hope. Yeah, maybe it's better to let cycles drop, like take their course. But because, okay, let's take the whatever the Celsius one or whatever, some crypto bank that like 100,000 people had their accounts zero, let's say. Those people right now are blaming Celsius. And hopefully from here on out, will allocate capital to things that are more meaningful to society. Things and what are, do you, you mean their savings? Yeah. Yes. Like they're, they'll allocate their money and invest it in things that actually help benefit society and, and move society forward. If it were just the SEC's fault, it would be like, a, oh, this almost like they're trying to fight the SEC. They'd probably look for a new place to put it where it's like the SEC ruined this. Now they hopefully know the risk associated with their investments. They learned it the hard way, but 
Yeah, I agree. I think the Although SEC I do is think in a, it's a bit of a regulatory failure well, to let them yeah. to let it get this big. And yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I don't know Th- that that part is true, but I think there's a separate part of the SEC is in a really tough spot to shut something down. Um, if they feel like they just have to walk such a tight line, it's very very difficult, and maybe they're too cautious, and they probably have been with this crypto stuff over the last uh, few years, but it grew so quickly um, in the last presidential administration, the SEC got, if I'm not mistaken, basically gutted and was told to not do much. So you had that kind of pause. And then now they're trying to play catch up with the new, uh, what's his name? Gensler, the new head. Gary. (sighs) Things moved so fast. They had a lot on their plate. I just don't know if blaming them. It's sort of like blaming the Fed for high gas prices. I mean, they can try their best. Uh, it's not the exact same, but yeah, no, it's Biden's fault. Well, it's yeah, it's either Powell or Biden's fault that uh, Saudi Arabia is not pumping out more, um, or that Putin invaded Ukraine. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, crypto is just. I just. Like I'll watch some, you know, I'm interested in learning about some of the stuff on how devious some people are being and stuff like that. It's great. There's some great stories out there, but my money is staying, I mean, just far, far away, short or long. Yeah, I agree. I listened to that Mark Anders on Andreessen uh, interview on Joe Rogan, or I listened to like the first 30 minutes. And uh, I don't know. It's the there's a lot of smart people in it that like kind of draws me towards it. But at the same time, I just am yet to see a use case where it like really is a big value add to society. Yeah. I watched that slash listened. Clearly the guy's smart. Invented the browser. Come on. But it doesn't mean he's right here. <laughs> and it, it's, it's kind of strange how it's that, uh, uh, what's that? We're just referencing stuff today. It's the Nassim Taleb thing. I haven't read his books, but I read this short thing about it. Like he had a blog post on it where um, his example that he uses is a surgeon where you'd, you're kind of heuristic or your instinct in your mind is when you have a surgeon that's going to perform something on you or a family member, if they're clean cut, if they have great credentials, say Harvard, wherever, Johns Hopkins. Uh, they, you know, have only been at the best spots and they just look so professional, have a great look about them, you know, super clean cut. You would think that that's going to be your best surgeon. That's your instinct. But your best bet is actually someone that doesn't look the part, maybe went to a second tier school, but made it to the same level as that other surgeon. Because you know that that other surgeon that might have a scruffy beard and not be the most well kept together is there because of his quality of work, not because of his uh, credentials, if you get what I mean. I think that same thing can apply for a lot of these um, basically people that have investing takes or, you know, in, in the finance business world, people trust someone like Mark Andreessen because of his track record, rightfully so, but it doesn't mean that they're correct. I think that happens with Elon Musk. That happens with 
Warren Buffett even. It happens with everyone. What yeah. do you think? More the merit of the man and not merit of the idea. Yeah. And that can it, it's it's affected me for sure. It affects everyone. It's kind of something I try to catch myself. Okay, like do I like this idea because a few other people that have great track records like it? Or do I actually think it's smart? It's hard. It it feels good to have like to feel like you're a part of a team, even though it'll make absolutely no difference or no bearings on the results. If you're listening to this ad right now, we know you're already a listener to our show, but for our avid listeners, we've also started a paid membership service called Chit Chat Money Plus that extends beyond just our podcast. Every Tuesday, subscribers get access to one not so deep dive research episode that covers everything you need to know about a company. You also get an email newsletter with our written show notes, important charts, a transcript of each show, and access to our Chit Chat Money research files. Chit Chat Money Plus costs $5 a month. You can subscribe directly through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or if you listen on another platform, click the link in the show notes to go through the simple steps of signing up. If you're a regular listener to the show, we think the membership will provide tons of additional value. On top of the stock research episodes, members will get one Arch Capital Fund episode a month where we outline why we bought, sold, or continue to hold a stock in the Arch Capital Investment Fund, along with shows on our broader investment strategy. Sign up and become a Chit Chat Money Plus subscriber today. We can't wait for you to join our community. Yeah. All right. Other topic. I don't know if you use Instagram anymore, so we may be total... We may have no takes here, but uh, there was the Instagram going into more video and basically trying to make themselves more like TikTok. But there was actually just news today that they are temporarily walking back some of the changes amid mounting criticism uh, for something like the you know recommended the, videos and straying away from friends. Thoughts you, know what on the this? Criti- you know what the mounting criticism was, right? I Maybe. It was just Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian complained on their on their Instagram stories. Like, well, I would that was well, that was the big ones. Oh, those are obviously the popular users. However, it was also weird that they said make it about friends again when they have three hundred million followers. So that was a bit strange. I thought that was strange. But here's the thing: they're friends with all those people. Well, of course. But here's what uh the head of I'm reading this kind of in real time. So this is from Casey Newton, who runs that kind of social media uh, substack. And here's a tweet. The vocal criticism on Twitter and elsewhere wasn't just the usual griping over redesign. So like compared to how the news feed, you know, people were saying they hated it, but in reality, they were using it constantly. Um, it was actually showing up in the data. So maybe they're, they went a bit too far. Generally, though, I guess we just had Meta's earnings, Facebook slash Meta's earnings. What are your thoughts on this redesign? I don't know if you use Instagram anymore, but if you do, maybe you'll have better insight than me. Well, a bit of anecdata for you. I actually kind of, well, I deleted my Instagram, I'd say six months ago, maybe longer for this reason. I mean, Part of me wanted to have Instagram to kind of keep up with like friends and family. And it's almost like you can almost treat it like a modern day photo album. That's what that's, that's, that's what their idea was at the start. See what everyone's pretending to do. (laughs) Yeah. By the end that basically didn't exist. I was not keeping Mm -hmm. up with anyone. All, all, everything I saw was from essentially either like promoted accounts, influencers, 
or you were going to the reels page and it was just a bunch of random people, that's fine. Maybe that's like a business model that works. I think TikTok is, I mean, TikTok, you're not really talking with your friends. You're, it's not a social, it's really not social media at all. It's really social discovery. It's just, it's it's, not social. It's random discovery. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's video. But sorry, go ahead. Um, that's fine. It got me kind of addicted because it has that like basically feedback where you feel addicted to it, whatever it hits, like it gives you like a dopamine rush every time you refresh. But I, that wasn't what I was using it for. And it felt like I was wasting hours of my day as opposed to like keeping up with people that would potentially be relevant later on. Like, a, you know, like you see them again, you kind of know what their life's been up to. So it's not like a total refresh. I never had, it was basically going away. Like Instagram kind of sucked towards the end of my use. So I got rid of it. By the way, they make it kind of a pain to get rid of it. I know a lot of social medias do that, but it- uh, uh, To actually delete it, not just log, not just uninstall. Yeah. Mm, yeah. What's harder, that or the Wall Street Journal? Probably the Wall Street Journal. That's like a. Adventure. I was on hold for an hour just to like delete the, or cancel my <laughs> membership with the Wall Street Journal. So yeah. I think uh, I was thinking I might. Bloomberg could be honestly a better deal. I think Bloomberg is. There's a lot of stuff I always click on. Like at least a few times a week, I click on it. And it's a Bloomberg article, and I, and I, I kind of want that. Better. All right, there's a good comment from Matt. This is a good point, Matt. Um, well, there are other methods, but. That is actually a big pull of Instagram is the romantic and more romantic's a nice word. It's nice I wanted word. to yeah, I wanted to use a family friendly term. The there's a lot of I mean, I guess sexual stuff as well. Basically, sexual attraction is a big part of Instagram, I guess. Is that the family friendly term for keeping yeah. keeping people on the platform? No, I mean that's that's very much a huge part of it. And it felt like I'm always like, I'm always like a little cautious to like say like, well, I kept getting that stuff like fed to me basically on on my content feed because it makes me, because I always think like, are they just curating the feed for me based on my preferences? Cause then it's like, no, I don't, I, people make fun of people that say that, but it's not, everyone's getting it though. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's that crazy for Instagram to have this idea that all guys under the age of. 40 are super horny. It's not like that's, that's a pretty, yeah. if you, if you get what I mean, that's not like they're targeting you. They know, they know. They know it generates like, more clicks, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. I, other topics or yeah. do you want any more on Facebook? Saw revenue was down, but I guess that was kind of expected for it to be flat. I read, yeah, I read the quarter uh, or I read the report. Did not read the conference call and they're, they're pretty dry on their quarterly reports. They don't give out like a whole lot of detail. They talk more on the conference call, but uh, it's sort of a, I think it's in sort of a precarious spot and they are not there. He's Zuckerberg is unwavering on his commitment to the metaverse kind of props to him for it, but they're just putting, they generated $450 million in revenue from reality labs and they lost $2.6 billion operating loss. That is, yeah, there's, and they're guiding for, and this might just be lumpiness associated with like product launches, but 
they're guiding for lower reality labs revenue next quarter. That's not seasonality because this time last year, Q2 to Q3 revenue almost like doubled. Yeah. I think there's a lot of lumpiness in that business, but. Well, it might've been Oculus stuff, but I would be concerned about, there's a lot of numbers out there about hardware sales for VR devices. I would just be a bit concerned that people seem to get these as gifts and then stop playing. I think that's exactly what it is still. And I remember everyone's like, no, this is going to be like, this is going to be it for, you know, this is going to be the new format. It's going to replace the iPhone. Like that's just not going to happen. I, I, and maybe that's my, maybe that is my, uh, shoot. What's the name? Steve Ballmer quote. Maybe that'll be Steve Ballmer quote. Like this will never be successful. Like he said with the iPhone, but I think it's a huge bet on something that could very easily not be a success. Yeah. Is it's really so bad as is. It's really hard to judge because, okay, the VR for gaming, whatever, that's a whole different category. But the true thing is that AR stuff to have it as the glasses to replace the phone. That seems like the technology will be insanely hard to do. And it seems like the three companies that are working on that are Facebook or Meta, excuse me, Alphabet and Apple. Yeah. One, I would bet that Apple and well, I bet that Apple can get the hardware right the most. I would I would bet that, you know, they would get it right. But second, I would bet Google kind of knows how to make the operating stuff a lot cleaner. Um similar to how everything's worked with smartphones. But I just wonder whether people care because I don't. Have you ever put on a VR headset? I can't remember. Possibly once, but VR VR is different. I'm talking about the ones that you know glasses. Yeah, that are more theoretical that these companies are working on. Um, I don't like betting on theoretical things. (laughs) Exactly. I know. I know it was a success for all the Apple shareholders, but for every Apple shareholder that succeeded, I feel like there's probably a hundred companies that tried to do something crazy like that, that totally failed. Yeah. And I feel like once you're, do you really need to wait before the iPhone moment? Because, and I guess we were really young during that time. So it's tough to get a read. And I know a lot of the times people, the iPhone is dead. But couldn't you wait until after the hit product comes out? Because when the iPhone came out after a couple of years, you kind of knew that they had really something on their hands. And maybe they were going to succeed. Maybe they wouldn't. But it seems like the probabilities versus the price you were paying were so much better after you knew the product came out. So let's say I think Meta has a project for 2024 for some AR glasses. Can't remember exactly. That's their plan right now. Could be any year or the next five years. Let's say they come out and it's a giant hit. Wouldn't you just wait until that happens? Am I crazy? That's, I mean, that's what shareholders have done. Well, I guess because everyone's selling or what? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, the thing about this whole situation is that you are inevitably going to lose shareholders because you're pivoting your business. 
you're pivoting what investors are buying. So you're going to see selling. Like, I, I think that's just kind of a, like a fairly obvious statement. Like people were buying your social media apps because they were cash generated machines that had a great network effect and you were kind of choosing it for all its cash, but they knew they had a good idea of the kind of cash that business overall would be generating. I could not guess within probably within anywhere near ballpark, what Facebook will be generating in cash in, in five years from now on. Well, I mean, from uh, just in general or what? In general or from the core apps? Like, uh, well, I'd, the core apps are a little more predictable, but I'd say you could. What if they start probably, plowing more money into the reality labs? That's fair. That's fair. But I, yeah, consolidated. Yeah, I have no idea. And I guess that's why the stock looks so cheap right now. If, if you believe is, in Zuck, if you it's going to stop looking cheap because that that e can change but the uh like their free cash flow is down i want to say 50% year over year they spent 7 billion dollars on capex what on earth are they spending that on well i think it's okay here's what it is i saw i don't follow the company closely so someone can correct me but i believe it is just um okay so they're working on competing with tiktok right and they need to get their AI algorithms, whatever you want to call it, better. They have to spend a ton on servers to get that correct. If you kind of get what I mean. So that's a lot where the CapEx is coming is is uh, semiconductors. Which, again, here's the big question that we can move on. We got a good question here uh, from Michael. Here's the big question. Should, and this might seem dumb, as we're saying this, but should they care so much about copying TikTok? I don't know. I don't know. If, I mean, they probably have better data on whether or not their users were leaving. They had to do something to keep them back in. It's kind of a sticky spot for them to be in. Do you stick with the old form, stay true to like your roots, but then lose a bunch of users in the process? Yeah. And it's not like the users have been that bad. It's just maybe it's the time spent that is way worse. I don't know. Yeah. Users actually still grew year over year, which is insane. Well, yeah. I mean, it's international, so it's tough to look at certain markets. You know, we look at our own market. The, but there's, there's a difference between, daily active users growing and hours spent. I wonder, you know, you can be a daily active user and check for five minutes. Like we've talked about with Snapchat before, how that's just a totally misleading metric and it's really useless. Or, you know, you can spend two minutes to be a daily active user or you can spend 45 minutes like people do on um, TikTok right now. I'm thinking maybe I just won't touch social media companies i've hey i've been saying that join it's the hyper club. competitive and super difficult to assess where who the winner is going to be in a, 10 years yeah although yeah 
I mean, to be fair, we own Alphabet right now. So YouTube depends whether you consider that because they're in the same boat as TikTok. Social media. Yeah. So what is social media? Because TikTok and YouTube dominate. Are they social? If Instagram changes to this, are they social media? It doesn't make any sense. I'd say YouTube's. I mean, they're all competitors in a sense. Maybe they're not social media because I don't think YouTube is very social. But the uh, hey, we got comments right here. But no, I, I guess that's I get what true. You I suppose that's true. Um, yeah, I have no idea what you consider competitors. But either way, I get what you mean about avoiding that type of stuff. Maybe the only one left will be Twitter, <laughs> and then. But that's still uh, it'll still be school. giving all its money to employees. Yeah. All right. Do you want to hit this question? Sure. He says, hi guys. Uh, I think he meant to say thanks for the nice podcast over the past three years of following you. Can you guys comment on Spotify's new paid content option? Do they take a percentage, your perspective, bullish or bearish? Uh, so uh, I believe he's probably referring to our subscription now. Um, and so they, they do not take a percentage. There is a percentage that's knocked off from Stripe, which is the, just for processing the payments, which and is, it is quite high. <laughs> yeah, which is surprisingly high. Um, they don't take a percentage for the time being. I believe they said they're planning to not take anything for the first. It was like three years or five years of. And them then they'll take that. Then they're taking five percent. On but top, Apple takes thirty percent. So, um, I like that they give the creators the option. Uh, both platforms really, it's nice that they do that. Um, our, our kind of goal with it was basically to provide, we know we have a pretty hardcore, um, maybe not hardcore, but avid fan base that actually uses our research to kind of supplement their own research process. And we figured that would be worth the value. And so we kind of added stuff beyond the podcast that we, we wanted to bolt into the subscription. And the best way to do that was to put it through the podcast players because that's where our audience is. Um, I don't know how big of an uptake there will be from content creators for subscriptions until ads are no longer skippable because there. In, the, in the listener's mind, oh, I can always listen to the podcast because I can just skip to the ads. I don't have to endure it. But if you can have if you have to sit through, let's say a 30 minute podcast and there's six minutes of ads that you can't skip, I think there may be a little more inclination to take a whatever, $3.99, $4.99 a month for your favorite shows where you no longer have to have those ads. Um, but for the time yeah. being, it's kind of hard to hard to see the value unless there's something behind the podcast that you're also getting. Like Stratechery has their uh, newsletter plus the show kind of thing. Yeah, eh, I think. Yeah, we'll see how big these subscription podcasts can get. It's not going to be really meaningful to either company. Personally, both have solid positives, I guess, for how it works with the back end, and both have negatives. I'd probably lean Spotify's a little bit better um, just for helping out. Like the creator, Apple has some really annoying things that uh, it's just not 
like the 30% thing is not that big of a deal because it encompasses payments and they can really help with foreign exchange and all that good stuff. But there's just some of the, for a company that large, just some of the stuff on their back end for working with these subscriptions is just really, really poor. And Apple's is just way more clunky to work with. Uh, but either way, yeah, from an investing perspective and just from the podcast industry, it's probably going to be small, at least for the time being. But there is a lot of potential there to give basically podcast shows the power to have this option. And if they can get the, if Spotify can get the advertising uh, network right, that combination of giving people the options should be pretty attractive for people to use them versus anyone else. Yeah, I agree. But it, it's not, eh, it's not part of the, it's just so small. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have another question. Thoughts on the FTC blocking Meta's acquisition of a VR physical exercise company. Um, and so I, I kind of heard the news about this, but I didn't uh, really look into it. Uh, I think part of this is that regulators hate Facebook um, because of the incident involving the 2016 election. The I don't know if it has any implications for Microsoft and Activision. I have a feeling at this point, Activision is going through. Yeah, we'll and see. But case. Yeah, it's weird because VR and gaming are very, like, it seems like the same market right now, but it's like fitness for this thing. So are, are they competing with Nintendo Switches, which have, which have a big fitness product with, I think, like 15 million games sold, that Ring Fit thing? I don't see the case of blocking this acquisition from what I've read the basic things about, you know, this being anti-consumer, antitrust, or whatever the standard not, things are. Yeah, yeah, it's not anti-competitive in any way, as long yeah. as they keep all the games platform agnostic. And even if they don't keep, so let's say they took all of Activision's uh, games and kept them in-house, um, that would just be kind of a dumb move on Microsoft's part because a lot of people PlayStation play PlayStation and they're not going to, I mean, in a subscription world, Maybe maybe they would hop over, but I don't think they're going to buy an entire Xbox just because they're missing the new COD. I could be yeah. wrong, but I don't know if there's any game, maybe Grand Theft Auto, because it comes out so irregularly that someone would be willing to buy the console just for that game. Uh, you mean if they already have one? Yeah. Yeah, there's a difference between getting a new one and choosing a console that has the the stuff that has the exclusive game, which have been around for a while, versus you already have an existing same generation hardware and moving to a different one just because there's another game. That doesn't make much sense. Uh, that'd be very, very expensive. But in general, again, I have no idea whether Activision Blizzard is going to go through. It seems like... My gut says yes. Who knows? Yeah. I do think there's something to be said for <clears throat> giving them, with, with Activision in particular, I think there's probably some incentive or encouragement to give them new ownership, to give those employees a new parent company, essentially, to be run by someone else, uh, just given 
all the uh, sexual assault stuff that occurred under the old management team or still current management team, I guess, for the time being. So I have a feeling that one would go through. Uh, Facebook, I, I don't know what the rationale is for blocking this acquisition, but regulators also blocked or told uh, Facebook told Facebook a few years back that they couldn't acquire Giphy. So I think at this point, people just don't want Facebook acquiring anything. Yeah. And you see a lot of investors out there saying that that's just unfair and it doesn't make any sense, but maybe you're right. I, no, but, I agree. I agree. It doesn't make any sense. Facebook has shown like they're in a tough spot. I really don't, but it's just how kind of the uh, regulators around the world are treating them. And you you don't, investor, you, their, you don't have to own You don't have to be a shareholder. Yeah, you, you can't change that as an investor. So that's just something I think to consider. All right, other topics. Let's. Okay, here's one for a modest proposal. I'm doing this because uh, I've been on this take. I've been on this beat for a while. Uh, here's the tweet: Seeing all the hot takes on Reality Labs, which sure it's wild levels of spend, but at least there's a theoretical prize. My hot take is Amazon spending on Alexa is a more wasteful science project because it's not even clear what the prize is. Follow-up tweet, quote, Amazon employs more than 10,000 people to work on Alexa, and the documents projected its fixed cost to be $4.2 billion in 2021. Do you agree or disagree? Well, that's not as much spend as... uh, Reality Labs, but... Semantics, semantics. Yeah, I don't think Alexa is like a wonderful product. Or I don't know what the end game is for Alexa. Maybe it's just data collection. That's not a business. It is if you have another business to feed that data to where it's valuable. What? what? Come on. Uh, targeted products on Amazon. Okay. How... <laughs> How I'm is trying that to think about- through the. I'm 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 maybe being a little putting the rose-colored glasses on, but I think this. I think Amazon over time has proven that they don't just they don't keep spending on something if it isn't worthwhile. They would have cut this if they didn't see like some sort of end goal in sight. It's not like what's the a, end goal? It's not a pet project for management. I don't think. I know it, it was for Bezos initially, but yeah, he it's stuff. his pet project. He loves this. He Fire wants phone, to work he, so bad. He got rid of Fire Phone uh, oh, way yeah. back when. I, I think if this wasn't working at all or there wasn't any reward, uh, they'd get rid of that too. Well, Maybe. I think that what if, it's, okay. what if it's making money? No way it's making money. There's no way. They sell the stuff below cost. Do you know that? Yeah, they, they had that in the uh, congressional hearings. And I think they look at this that, okay, like they're selling a ton of these products, whatever the little, I forget what they're called, but all the different things that are connected to Alexa. And they're selling them for super cheap. So they're not making any money on that. They still got to ship them. And they're saying, whoa, we got a 100 billion Alexa households. It's, we're working. It's working. Okay, well, whoa. whoa. What's what's it going to do? How are you going to make money on this? There's no end game. No one cares about voice. Oh, sorry. That's, that's a harsh. Well, hold on. There is 
that's a hard statement. There's factor. Yeah, I'm not saying don't. Sorry, people care about voice, but it's not profitable at this time. Well, if it's let's say it's funneling, let's say they have a, the, the ability to show that average order value from Amazon customers is higher if you have an Alexa device in your home. Is that worthwhile then? Mm, potentially, but that could just be correlation. If ever, if okay, if on average, I think that there's enough. Let's say there's a hundred million customers, and on average, all those spend higher. Let's say twenty percent more than all other customers without one. Like I do see my parents use it for their, you know, all right, order blah blah blah, and it's shipped in a day. Mm. There is, I mean, it's a convenient. Maybe it's like an accessibility thing. It makes ordering easier. I just have never seen anyone actually do it. So maybe. I, I, I have seen a lot of people use it on a regular basis. Typically it's for menial tasks, things like add this to my grocery list. But it's just, is it worth that much spend though? Like say they took Alexa spend out, boom, canceled it, done. Are they going to lose customers? I had I would have a feeling that the uh, volume transaction volume may decline a little bit. Yeah, really? Yeah, I do. So they're gonna through these household tasks. They're gonna go off to some other place. What is the other option? They go pick them up at the store. But that's even more inconvenient. Like you can do two clicks on your phone. I do two click order. Boom, boom. It's there. It's a lot easier to just. It takes longer. It takes longer to speak it. No, it doesn't. If you have if you have it saved, it takes ten seconds on your phone. It's the same amount of time. So if they took the spend out, it's just I'm not seeing an ROI. Your phone's not around. I think it's speculate. I think it's speculation on your part that there there isn't any value that it's driving to Amazon. That's fair. It is speculation. This is not not brainless management team. They've proven their capabilities in the past. I don't know. A lot of spend. Where's the return on invested capital? I would love to see that. Really, you're you're doubting. It it surprises me that you're doubting Amazon today. Where, like, I think that's going to be. I'm not doubting it. It comes in lumps, but the return on invested capital. I I think they've proven that before. I don't care. We just talked about this at the beginning of the show. I don't care about their track record and other stuff. I think this is a poor idea. I obviously could be wrong. There, why, do you, the why do you like IAC? What? And why do you because like IAC? That's different. Because of their track record. Yeah, but that's not like, like I can think one different. of their ideas is bad versus it doesn't mean I wouldn't invest in Amazon. I think plenty of ideas that companies I invest in are bad. For example, Alphabet, other bets. Um, why are we burning $1.6 billion this quarter? I don't know. I would love some more information on that. Uh, Amazon. Google Cloud ever another bet? Um, I'm not sure. I assume at some point. The uh, I mean, there's some specific things in other bets that seem terrible, but you know, you got to take it with what. <laughs> like, I don't think it's different between if you want to invest in something and whether you think the management is making bad, like a bad decision. Uh, I think Alexa's the spend on there is just not worth the return. 
For example, IAC, they've talked about experimenting with crypto. I uh, thought that I think that's a terrible idea. But, and there's a difference between investing in a conglomerate that invests in other stuff Berkshire, Markel, IAC, Nelnet, Brookfield, I guess, too, versus an operating business. Okay, Amazon is a conglomerate. Well, sort of. I mean, it's uh, it's two. It's basically two businesses. I guess the revenue is comprised of probably AWS and e-commerce, but there's other. Well, there's no. It's retail. It's retail and 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 AWS. I guess there's media. Retail. Yeah, but I guess you could add media in there as well. Twitch because. Media, I would put that as the media division because they have Fire TV, uh, Prime Video. So you could businesses have, under there. And a lot yeah. of them benefit each other. Do they? Yeah, I mean, I I, their advertising unit. Oh, for sure. Having yeah. an advertising unit can probably translate across from CTV to uh, wherever else they are. There's yeah, advertising on Alexa. You can advertise stuff on Alexa. That sounds awful for the consumer. For the consumer, <laughs> that sounds awful. Eh, not very invasive. It's not like they're like talking. It's just like you've got your screen, and like you'll see like a oh, product gotcha. across across the screen. Okay. Okay. That's not that's not that bad. Nick asks, "Why does the market hate IAC so much?" Uh, don't know. Not really a question I concern myself with. <laughs> If you had to guess why they, if I had to guess, yeah, I mean, the numbers look bad. It's worth knowing why, yeah. You know why? The numbers look bad. Yeah, the numbers look bad. I don't really like to focus on that though. But seriously, yeah, yeah, it's sure it's a fun question to talk to talk about, but I don't think it's really worthwhile when making an investment. That might be a hot take, but I don't. Understanding the uh, counter thesis is probably important. Now, why? Why is, it understand, why is it not important to understand the the a cynic's point of view? Uh, because if you think that it, it, it's just, I like to go extremely simple. If you if it's over, like if this price you're paying is worth less than the cash you think it'll generate. Who cares what other people think? That's such crap. It's, you're you're being a a fake purist. You well, I certainly I, I think why people don't like IAC. I I know I know, but it's not something. It's something I definitely you know talk about stuff like that. But when making an investment decision, I don't think it's important. It can be fun to talk about, but I think it is counterproductive when making your investment decisions. To answer next question. The, uh, I think the optimist would argue that they're in a transitional period where the current earnings on the business that they just basically merged together uh, is not, uh, doesn't look, they don't look very good. So, uh, kind of this turnaround period, if you're valuing it on current earnings, it's tough to do. And it's a little uncertain what earnings will look like, earnings power from this business will look like moving forward. I think that's probably why the market hates it. 
any other topics? I think we got what 10 minutes left. Uh, let's scroll down the likes here. Uh, oh, Shopify layoffs. What are your thoughts on that? Kind of, that was kind of telegraphed. Thanks a lot, analysts. What'd they say? What do you mean? Oh, remember when Toby was like, I don't, this is our stock selling off is the analyst's fault. And then they fired people. It's like, it must be the analyst's fault too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what, you can't pay people in stock anymore. And so now you got to fire them. Yeah. The, what about when you were, what about when you were selling equity at the top? Was that the analyst's fault? Yeah. I don't know. Shopify executive team. Everyone loves them, but I kind of think there's a few red flags there. I think it kind of helps to have a good understanding of what, like Bezos's experience at DE Shaw, I think was very helpful in how he managed his business and how he thought and how he managed Amazon early on and how he thought about um, issuing stock, stock based compensation. I think without that, there's some time like you can uh, maybe start to believe that you're, you're worth more than you are. Well, I mean, Amazon heavy is a heavy SBC company, but, but he was very good at managing expectations. It sounds like. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. As best as he could. And the other te- people on the team could. Um, yeah. It's just, and you know what? I was not a fan of his, I was not a fan of Toby's letter and it's never, I mean, there's never like a great way to phrase layoffs. Like there's no perfect way to do it, but his mm-hmm. letter was very like, Oh, you, you should feel bad for me because I have to lay people off. Like you poor soul. Yeah. And I don't, don't know why people make that stuff public. Keep it in house. Okay. Yeah. I mean, layoffs are always tough. Basically, no matter where you look, no matter what way you look at it. I love when people call it payroll cost reductions or uh, what are some other generous terms that they use? Uh, yeah, there's some good stuff. We're downsizing or right sizing our cost structure. <laughs> right sizing our cost structure is a good way to put it. Uh, the, yeah. Dropbox did it perfectly. They actually did it really, really well. At the peak of 2020, they uh, they said, we're going fully remote. There's a, sorry, but uh, there's employees we no longer need. This is never easy. You know, we'll give you generous severance, but we're, we're going to reduce our payroll. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, well, like you gotta keep it simple. Okay. Hey guys, one, what, what three public stocks would be the most painful to live without? That's a question from Bentley. Ooh, okay. I'm thinking, assuming, I'm assuming he means like the three that you wouldn't want to sell. Let's say, like, nah, I assume he means like products of our lives that are like public companies that it would be difficult to live without. Okay. If he doesn't mean that, that's a good question. Either way, I think it'll be fun to answer. I'm going to go Spotify, Easy, Prime, Amazon Prime, and Twitter. Well, no, Google. Sorry. You would not own all of those. Google would be tough to live without. I hate Yahoo. Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, that's not even 
a real business anymore. It'd be Bing, but or DuckDuckGo. I mean, and, Google is more than just uh, Google's just is more than I mean, Gmail. There's so much more. Drive and uh, yeah, I use Drive on a frequent basis. Google Calendar, Gmail. I think I touch every one of Google's products potentially other than Google Cloud. Well, I, I listen to Spotify. He uses Google Cloud. YouTube, I, I watch a, an absurd amount of YouTube. Um, what are yeah. your other two then? The iPhone. Sure. Yeah. The smartphone. Yeah, I guess that's that's a one everyone forgets nowadays since it's so... Um, iPhone. Yeah. I do like me some Costco. Really? Yeah. There are some Costco specific, or there are some items that I've seen at Costco that I have not seen elsewhere or Kirkland Signature stuff that I really like. And a lot of them, so it makes it worthwhile for me. Plus, I do think uh, it saves me money. It's part of the strategy. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the save money and exclusive items, bold proof strategy. All right, here's the other question. Thank you, Bentley. These are very innovative. Three public companies that you would pay $8 a month to cancel. I don't... Okay, this is a tough one. Are you sure what he means here? I don't, I don't quite understand. I read the question. I don't quite understand it. All right, Bentley, follow up if if not. Here's another... Something that you would like really, really want to cancel. I figure, I figure you should probably cancel it. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I really... If I had cable... I'd probably cancel it. I think smart TVs do fine. Um, what other, I hate, I did not, I mean, I enjoyed the wall street journal, but it's not something that I needed every day. I think if I were doing it, I would probably get like the weekend subscription, which I think they have just because there's more free time to read through it all that I canceled, which was, I would have probably paid eight bucks to avoid the cancellation process. Um, <laughs> yeah, they don't make it like Netflix. What what was the what was the like Oh, it says like they're so annoying to you and you almost really are disgusted with it. You're willing to pay money to keep it canceled. Oh, to keep it canceled, let's say. Oh, keep you it pay canceled. Money not to have it. Oh, to not to have it in my life. Uh Maybe social media. Social media yeah. minus Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, I I do with that one. That's, I I have a tough time answering this one. Cable. I do that because I'm, yeah, if I had to like, yeah. If I had it wasn't bad cable, though. It was just overpriced. There's just a cheaper alternative. Yeah, it is over. Yeah, it's overpriced. I think this is a hard, like, okay, right. so they're so disgusting. I'm trying time. to, all right, whatever. I can't, I can't figure out how to answer that question. Um. Any other topics? I'm scrolling through. It's just earnings. It's just earnings, really. What, what earnings are you looking most forward to? Most forward to? Oh, actually, let's talk Chipotle to figure it out. To close it out, excuse me. Operating margins above 15%. We talked about that in the not-so-deep dive. Uh, shout out. First premium episode. The Or sorry, CCM Plus episode. Um. We talked about our margins getting above 50%. They did get there in the quarter, and they said it was because higher unit volumes, which is obvious, but a mixed shift away 
from delivery. So that could that be a, you know an easy way for them to get better margins if Opus? we get less food delivery. Opus buy online, pick up in store. Opus. Well, yeah, I love that abbreviation. Opus. Yeah, yeah, that's well, that's me. That's the highest margin customer right there. So, Chipotle shareholders, I'm helping you out. Uh, but seriously, what do you think about if the margins are already above fifty percent? If they can get closer to twenty percent, and Chipotle is not that expensive. No, nah, dude, it's like sixty times free cash flow. I know, but it's trailing, and if the margins expand a ton, it's not. I get that it's not 10 times. I do think there's a point where it stops becoming the convenient, quick service restaurant that it is at a, at a certain price point. And I think that's probably the primary way that they can get margins to t- north of 20%. Um, I will say I went to Chipotle three times in the last week. So you're welcome, shareholders. Uh, How is the quality? Consistent? Yeah. It's good. It's very good. Yeah. It's still, I mean, it's good. I, the, it, it's good. It's insane to me that I, th- I believe it was beverage restaurant, basically restaurant level operating margin improved year over year with huge increases in input costs. I tell you, it was the delivery mix. And they also raised prices. And the price raises, yeah. It helps when they raise prices by 10%. It's a tough one. I feel like the price needs to be a little cheaper to make the risk reward better. Yeah. No, but, I, I mean, I, I think you still have to hop through, some her, hops, hop through some hoops to get to 20% operating margin sustainably. And you're paying basically as if that'll happen. I would yeah, say right I now. agree. I was thinking that exact same thing in my head. All right, we got to run. So do you want to close things out? Yeah, I'll sign off. Uh, thanks for everyone that was in the ch- that were in the chat today. We do this every Thursday. We try to go twelve o'clock Pacific time, three o'clock Eastern time. Uh, so if you want, if you're like a regular listener and you want to give us some questions, uh, feel free to just look us up on YouTube, chit chat money, and our we should be live at that time. Uh, thank you all for listening. I'm going to end with a disclosure. Brett and I are not financial advisors. This is not formal advice or recommendations. Uh, We are general partners in Arch Capital, though, so clients may have positions in the securities that we discussed today. They actually do. So uh, just remember, it's not financial advice. Uh, Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.